Crime Wives is a true crime podcast. Some of the content on this show might be too graphic for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hi guys, welcome to Crime Wives. I'm your host, Veronica. And I'm your host, Destiny. She currently has some floppy hair right now, so uh, (laughs) I would just like to start off with that. Yeah, but... (laughs) The kimono I'm wearing oh. makes me look very hippie-esque. Oh, yeah. She's got a candle burning next to her. She's got this cute kimono on. It's And, and then her my ha- hair. Her hair is very floppy. We don't need to actually... say what we just compared it to. But... Uh, it was a body part. <laughs> on a man. <laughs> yeah, on a man. You do with that what you will. <laughs> Go ahead and imagine. Yeah. Use your use your imagination, guys. Yeah, it was a ball sack. Anyways, how's your week? <laughs> oh, well, on that note, um, there, whoa. Yeah. Okay, so it's been good. I did engagement photos on Sunday. Oh yeah, I meant to ask how that went. Um, I didn't it went ask. well. I told you I had a dream. Oh right, right. I look like like I got her back, and I was like a legit troll. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? You know what? Trolls um, need love too. Yeah. And... So, it's, that was fine. Was it, what was the weather in Salem? Because I wasn't even here. Um, it was good. It was really good. It was actually really warm because I was in a greenhouse for part of our oh, pictures. Yeah. And I was like, we're going to die. And they're like, we're sorry, but there's just great lighting in here. And I was like, you guys do you? Like, I got so steamy. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah. So, it was really nice weather. Um, I had a question I was going to ask. When are you getting them back? Because those are your engagement pictures, right? Yeah, so they're engagement photos, but we're not using them on our invitations. Okay. We... Yeah, well, I'm well because you're getting your engagement pictures done, and then you said two weeks from now you're sending your wedding invitations. Yeah, out. yeah. So we're not, yeah, we're definitely not using, it's, we're, like I said before. Are you going like, to, like, I'll print say, them out and put them all over your wedding and stuff? I don't know. Oh, so you just got pictures done just to... No, we got them done because our photographers actually suggested it. Which once they said it, I was like, this is a great idea. They were like, we just want to get more comfortable with you before the actual wedding. Oh, yeah. And I was oh, like, absolutely. oh, absolutely. Yeah. Use, you, you knew your photographer. Oh, uh, yeah. Our, my, well, mine I was actually... my boss. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, she's like, I mean, that's She's cool. my boss and she's my husband's boss. So she's like, well, uh, when do you guys want to go? And so then, of course, there was a few times where... And she brought her husband as a second shooter. So it's all of us who all work together. We're like, okay, now we're going to kiss. <laughs> it was, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the whole, okay, hold that, hold that, hold that. And it's like. Oh, I was like, what? <laughs> no, 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 no. They're like, hold that picture, hold that picture. Yes. Um, And I'm like, okay, I'm you trying. And I'm like, Alex, <laughs> why are you so close to my face? Oh, yeah. But There's a ton was, of kissy faces. I actually, for... I know my photographer, too. I went to elementary school with her. Oh, okay. And so it was her and her husband. Her husband, I think, is more of, like, the main shooter. She does more of, like, the candids. Oh, Anyways. Okay. So, yeah, they went good. Second shooter, yeah. Um, and then, well, I hung out with Jules. Yeah. I Dude, I went to the beach. Prep. It was great. I just need to say that. I'm going to ask you about your week. <laughs> I know, but I just need to She's say, like, you we're can't talking talk about the weather. And so I'm just saying the weather there and the weather there. Oh, well, no. Yeah. I saw the pictures. Like it looked amazing. Yeah. It was pretty good. Um, so back, back to you to in a Destiny. minute. <laughs> um, and then what am I doing? Well, we might go actually see a live podcast. That's, oh, we might. We might, mm-hmm. but I might also go to the beach. So it's very dependent. But if we do... 
I'm actually looking. I was looking really forward to it. And so if I don't go to the beach, that's the whole entire reason why. If I you go. don't, let me know and we'll go. Yeah, definitely. It, but you, now I know you're supposed to go to the beach too. Only first part of the day though. Okay, I'll be back so by we'll the figure time. it out. Um, so we might be doing that. We just yeah. There's a local uh, podcast here in town that. It feels like we need to go to. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> this and is me not actually talking Destiny into it. And I hear, I know. That's you talking yourself into it. I'm like, Alex, I'm so sorry. We're, we're I love you. Do you want to go to the beach until exactly 5 p.m.? Come home. Go to that. Okay. Doable. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, but besides that, just doing a lot of caterer talk. I got my wedding dress. My wedding dress came in. Oh, so that's yes. super exciting. But I still have to go get a trade on. They have to add like all of the craziness that they you have to it. Like two to like put together, right? You yeah. Had a yeah. bottom and a top and a boot. Well, and a so they ordered it all in like one, oh. and then they're taking like the top half and just go in. Oh. I'm not going to say too much because my fiance does listen to this podcast. Oh, um, um, they're going to put a lot of rose petals around the yeah, boob area. So just lots it's just of... <laughs> lots of like red and black. Oh, he, she wanted a black one and she yeah, got it. Yeah, so. Super uh, black. Joke's on you, Sloan. Yeah, it's a baby. Which is also Alex's, what Alex also goes by. <laughs> and every now and then also he go wait. Um, his, he also goes by his last name too. That's yeah. the, that's every now and then I'll say Anson in front of my sisters and they're like, does Destiny have three boyfriends? <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. All the same guy. <laughs> they are all the same person. Yeah. Um, so yeah. What about you? I mean, I know you went to the beach, so let's <laughs> talk some more about that. Yeah. So uh, I went to the beach for my birthday <laughs> and, uh, that was, that was it on, uh, Saturday? Wait, Friday was my birthday, so... Yeah, you went Friday, because you texted me Friday while I was at work, and you're like, going to get stuff for mimosas for the whole weekend, and oh, I was like, and I you. <laughs> and I did. Good, good. You deserve all the mimosas. It was good. It was super fun. It was on the, that specific night we got... Um, my mom goes. My mom hardly drinks, and she... I mean, I'm sure she used to drink all the time, but she doesn't anymore, because she's um, allergic to a lot of alcohol, and she gets, Ooh. like, super pink face... And like prickly, and she kind of looks a little sweaty sometimes. <laughs> and, a little clammy. Yeah, it doesn't look like watching her drink sometimes. But I think she drank through it because she didn't have any prickly face that night. And we went to the diviest of dive bars, and I mean it's I love me Pacific a dive bar. City, Oregon. It's if you love a good view, and like a good crowd go to pelican brewery go sit on the beach you're gonna meet tons of people who probably have a lot of money like you and they're gonna be like you want to go over to my beach house you go two blocks back (laughs) to like uh, what i'm assuming is it's a bar that's located next to the only gas station in town (laughs) oh okay okay i love that bar though i'm Uh, I'm a divey bar i freaking love me a dive bar and also Previously, like even before dating Travis, I'd go to PC all the time, and I have like walked drunkenly home from that bar. <laughs> I have, yeah. There's that bar is great. However, there was a man there. Well, we went into it with like we got out of the car, and I was like, "All right, who's ready to find my mom a man?" <laughs> and oh. my mom was like, oh, "No," and we were already shots deep and mimosas deep at that point. And so it was fun. Oh <laughs> my was, god! There was a there was a very um he had long. Uh, gray braids, pigtail braids, and like a super duper crazy um, tie dye shirt. So did they? Um, no, I meant she... I didn't mean like to. So I tried. I was like, <laughs> I would like to make that my future dad, and she was like, that looks like what's gonna be your future husband. <laughs> and Travis was like, hey, no, no, you're right. <laughs> 
it's like, oh, okay, that's why I'm here for this guy. That makes sense. Okay, I get it now. So my mom went home single. I went home happy. It was a great time. Whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah, so no new stepdad for me, but... Jennifer, just give in. Yes, I know how to pick men. And then there was, like, there was this super tall lumberjack-looking guy. Great-looking dude. And, of course, me and Travis were like, that one, look at that one, that one, just look at him. <laughs> that one. And she's like, uh, nah. she, you know, she's trying to play cool. Eh, no. Then she, he steps away, and there's this tiny man behind him who was was also buff, but so, so, so short. And I was like, or option B. <laughs> <laughs> she was not, not into not any about of it. it. No. So, well, it was a damn. very fun time. <laughs> good. I mean, it sounds like a blast. Yeah, it was super good. So. I got your, I, you sent me a Snapchat, like, in the, when you and Travis Uh-oh. Were, <laughs> the end of the night, you're like, I don't know, but I think it said drunk somewhere on it, and I was like, makes sense. Oh. It's your birthday also. Yes. Enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, man. So much to take Snapchat away from me when I'm drunk. I don't even no. use it that much, but man, do I get on there drunk. Um, did you get my Snapchat? Uh oh. Oh, of you chasing our friend. <laughs> Shout out again to Michaela. So, Michaela and DJ were in, we all went to the bar. And for some reason, Michaela's like, I'm gonna, like, we're like, me, Shane, and Alex are walking home. All and, friends, and, and Alex is her fiance. Yeah. So, we're all walking home, and Michaela drives up next to us with TJ, and she's like, I'm gonna walk you guys home. We're gonna make sure you get home. So, they're literally driving next to us. <laughs> While we're walking home, and then they start playing music, and then it just gets weird. A lot of, I think it was uh, some Madonna I heard, or maybe it was Cindy Lauper. I don't know, but I got a lot of videos of Destiny holding the camera next to Michaela, our friend, who's driving a car, (laughs) and and just Destiny laughing. (laughs) Like all the videos, all you can hear is just you. (laughs) I was like, I was about. Well, it it went well. Yeah, Michaela decided to freaking stay out for once, oh, even though her foot's broken. Right to the heart. Straight. Oh, is her, her foot is still, in fact, broken. Destiny is still bitter. Weird She's, state. like, walking around with her crutches. I'm, like, carrying her beer for her in front of her, like a little lackey. I'm like, I got you, I got you. Oh, there are people that came to listen to this podcast for true crime. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so on that note, I mean, what else do you have? You had Link's last T-ball game? Oh, that was yesterday. It was good. It was it was it was great. Um, yes, my son, who is four years old and was the youngest on his T ball team, is now done with T ball, and it was uh, super fun. And his grandpa, who's my father in law, um, was like, "I'm not gonna." At the very beginning, I don't think he said anything. Obviously, not to us, but he didn't seem like he was super stoked about it. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the game, he was like, "All right, Don, you're taking a group picture. Everyone, get in here." And he, he it seemed it was very cute. It was very sweet that he seemed like he was kind of like was really happy. That is so. I love Daryl. Yes. Oh, Daryl! I love Daryl too. <laughs> Daryl's one of my favorite people. Right? He's great. Yes, good father. Fireball, Daryl. So, what are you going to be talking about today? Sad stuff. Mm. Yeah, well, that's what we're here for. I mean, <laughs> the huge for everyone that tuned into the first ten minutes of this podcast. My apologies, <laughs> but like anyone that likes us and wants to hear about us talk, not sorry, <laughs> or you're, <laughs> you're welcome. welcome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the person that I'm going to be talking about this week is called Randy Kraft, who is one of three people that is referred to as the Freeway Killer. 
Um, okay, so he shares his name with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, he does. Unfortunately. I mean, his name is his own. He shares <laughs> his title with people, and there's a lot of places that are like, no, this one is the highway strangler, or they're always the freeway. They're always on freeways. Anyways, this guy killed a... Well, this guy did a lot of his work. Um, not always on freeways. So, okay. but I understand. You'll figure out real quick why he's referred to that. So, this is the, my version of this lifetime story, if <laughs> it feels like, of Randy Craft. So, Randy Craft was born in Long Beach, California. Oh, I should note, we're doing this specific, um, these specific topics because when this airs, I'll be in Disneyland. Disneyland. I was going to say Anaheim, Anaheim, and I was like, should I say Disneyland? Okay, so I'll be in Disneyland. Um, mine, technically, it happens mostly right around Anaheim. Okay. So I just, it, I, it spoke to me gotcha, <laughs> whenever gotcha. I was. So his is all over Southern California. There's a chance that some of his are also in Anaheim. Um, you'll find out that part. So this is just kind of themed for Anaheim because I'll be in the next, the week before was when you're in Chicago, and then the, this is whenever I'm in um, Disneyland. So, this has nothing to do with Disneyland. <laughs> Very different feels. <laughs> worse happy, wait, worse unhappy feels. Just all bad stuff. But, we chose to take ours in the direction of where we were at. So. I like it. Here we are. This one is for not Disneyland. <laughs> it's Southern California. <laughs> Any old moving on. Okay, so Randy Kraft was born in Long Beach, California on March 19th, 1945. He was the fourth child and only and only son of parents who had moved to the California area from, or Southern California area, from Wyoming for about four years prior to that. So the thing that I put here, he as a child is described as an accident prone child. Um, he broke his collarbone at age one. <laughs> from wow. tumbling down a flight of steps and then the next year knocked himself out just it just says while playing so that was at age two so head injuries last time i heard of a kid with that many head injuries mm -hmm. it did not go well were they also serial killers because <laughs> i think it was because i yeah i believe mm -hmm. we talked about it a couple episodes ago so that's why i felt like Ooh. when i first read through the story i was like nah, he fell a bunch and i was like oh wait but that's that's what i did when the last <laughs> yeah. one. i was like i don't need to mention this and then i was like oh go back oh go i back. do <laughs> yeah yeah so i usually feel sometimes i feel like the beginning stories are kind of boring um but you got to set the scene. You got to set the scene and also the psychology of it. Yeah, I can't, 100%. no one knows if the head injuries are the exact reason that people are the way that they are. However, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and say this one clearly had some, he had broke his collarbone at age one and then obviously knocked himself completely out the following year at age two. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So. In 1948, the family moved to Westminster in conservative Orange County. Randy seemed to fit right in and was described in high school as a, this is a, this is a quote description, obviously, falling somewhere to the right of Attila the Hun on his political questions or views. Okay. Um, so what they're trying to say here is he was a right winger. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, he played the saxophone in the band, graduated in June 1963, and then moved with a group of friends to a conservative town called Claremont, or it was Claremont College in Panoma. Sorry. Uh, I'm definitely familiar with Panoma. At Claremont, 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 Kraft joined 
ROTC, demonstrated in favor of the Vietnam War, and campaigned for the right-wing presidential candidate Barry Goldwater in 1964. So I'm just setting the scene. There's yeah, all the things yeah. he was doing. Um, but the following year, he began what is described in almost every single article I found about him, a radical shift. Speaking of radical shifts. Which, I don't know, he just grew out of his right-wing phase and yeah. grew right into his... and so. Drifting to the left politically and growing longer hair and a mustache. Um, so that's apparently what is an ideal description of a okay. left winger. Okay. Yeah. And um, he also found a job bartending at Garden Grove Gay Bar. So he got a job at a gay bar. Yeah, he's definitely not really yeah. right-wing so, anymore. Yeah, so he has took, taken a literal hard left. <laughs> <laughs> so um, by Kraft's junior year, rumors about his fondness of bondage had begun to circulate around the Claremont campus. Kraft's roommates recall that he would disappear regularly, maybe two to three times a week, reappearing at strange hours. Quote, what he did wasn't something that we wanted to know about. Uh, between classes um, and, and disappearing acts, which is obviously a quote, Kraft was also quite the Valium user, which is, he would use Valium and then he would say it was because he had really bad stomach pains or migraine headaches, okay. which I, you know, the Tylenol? <laughs> um, yeah. Also, I don't know that Valium has ever been known to um, cure the stomach Yeah, issues. that's an interesting... But, you know, to each their own excuse. <laughs> So, in 1966, Kraft moved off campus and shared a house with a male friend in Huntington Beach, which, let's just take a moment to spotlight Huntington Beach. It's one of my favorite places on this planet. If you've never been, Never go. been. Oh, girl, you take yourself and your husband <laughs> to Huntington Beach. It's a good place. That was, my mom was born in 66 in San Jose, so. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, she all that area, but me. specifically, oh, man, there is, you get out of your car and you're like, I'm in a different place. <laughs> like, it I smells love it good. Here. It feels good. That's how we're going to feel in Vegas. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be like, oh, yeah. I'm in a different, different place. You walk out, you're like, whoa, it's hot here. <laughs> and it smells like <laughs> a lot of different things. Depends on where you're at. Anyways. Moving on. Sorry about that. So he moved to Huntington Beach. Okay. So he spent much of his free times in the gay bars. Um, it's, it's specified that they are gay bars. Whatever. He was arrested that year for lewd conduct after propositioning an undercover policeman in Huntington Beach. Um, but he got off with a first-time offender's warning. Oh, that's another thing. This case is going to frustrate you. <laughs> Which, th there's this, I feel like this case reminds me of a lot of cases we've already talked about kind of coming together. Yeah. Um, with the, got off on this, um, or... They couldn't charge them on that, so we just let them go. That sort of thing. You're going to... Yeah. God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, at school, uh, Kraft's love of beer and late-night poker games, a.k.a. he is a partier, kept him from graduating, essentially. Uh, the rest of his class graduated in June 1976. He had to repeat a class before he earned his bachelor's degree in economics eight months later. So... Okay. Further setting the scene. He obviously... Took a hard left, became a partier. Cool. No one's judging him for that. <laughs> no. I yeah. mean, go for it. So, in 1968, Kraft joined the U.S. Air Force. Um, he scored high on his aptitude test, passing background checks to win a, quote, secret security clearance. I have no idea what that means. 
and eventually he was posted to Edwards Air Force Base, where he supervised the painting of test planes. So, got a good job. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. I mean, I'm nervous that he has this very high security clearance, and he... we're talking about him. That's what makes me nervous. Great news for you. (laughs) Not for anything else, but in 1969, he decided to come out to his family as gay. Okay. Um, His family noted that they were shocked to find this out, and so were his Air Force superiors. So, as soon as they learned that, they discharged him on, quote, medical grounds that July. So, he didn't get to say that wrong. Um, So, he's put back into civilian life, and when he gets back there... Um, he went back to working as a bartender and started losing weight on, quote, a diet of speed and beer. So, um, Beer is never a way to lose weight. Speed, speed is. Super helpful. Yeah. The diet of beer, I guess if the only thing you're consuming is beer, you're going to lose weight. Did you get I'm your calories assuming. today? Yeah. yeah I actually did. Freaking 12 beers. I'm I good. basically had two salads. It's the same, right? <laughs> Uh, super buzzed off of my salad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so from there, he, this is, and this is, this part is absolutely a copy and paste because for some reason I feel weird saying this, but it says he plunged full time into his gay lifestyle. Essentially, he came out and he was stoked about it. So there's that. Anyways, I just, it's, well, uh, yeah. it seems I, a little no, shameful. I think, yeah, I think it's because they, like, they associated being gay with, like, being a party person and like going out and yeah. just like having a good well and the speed and beer like that makes it sound and then saying like that after and the left part yeah all of that but also there would never be a sentence that says and plunged full time into her straight lifestyle <laughs> so for some reason it just uh, maybe single lifestyle yeah may- single cool but so he's single and he's, he's just dudes. single like he's it sounds like he's young i mean it sounds like he's going a little too far because he's yeah doing fucking speed, i'm also but... not here to defend him i'm here to defend the full-time gay lifestyle yeah, i'm like yeah, come that on quote that is a little stupid. ridiculous yeah so anyways obviously wasn't mine the rest is for the okay. most part okay <laughs> um so if it hasn't been made clear yet um, though he was clearly very smart, he was a party animal, mm-hmm. which I've established. Um, his erratic behavior continued into the 1970s. One roommate later recalled that, quote, Randy used to go away for a few days, come back and lock himself in his room for a couple more days. He'd go down to the Marine base, wouldn't talk about it much. He'd just mumble something about going down looking for Marines. Another, <laughs> called Kraft, a very, quote, Anal retentive kind of guy. Very uptight, very strict with himself. Friends said that he had a volatile temper and that he would, quote, wig out every so often. So, okay. he's he's just all over the place. Yeah. It has nothing to do with gayness or leftness or any of that. He's just all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a few of his friends, or of his older friends, even recalled him saying more than once that, quote, there's a part of me that you will never know. And about 14 years later... His friends would find out what he meant by that. So, and now we're just going to fast forward to the summer of 1983. Okay. Quite a few years later. Get ready for this story. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. It was shortly after 1 a.m. on May 14th, 1983, when two California Highway Patrol officers stopped an apparent drunk driver on the San Diego freeway in Mission Ve- Viejo? Yeah, sorry. 
I'm white. California. Instead of waiting in his car, the motorist stepped out, dumping the contents of his beer bottle into the pavement as he got out of his car. What? What's uh-huh. the point of that? You're like, ah, can't get me. It's empty. He, well, <laughs> A, he got out of his car and was like, what's up, guys? Pours his beer out, <laughs> starts walking towards the car, and the officer noted as he's walking up that his pants were unzipped. But he, like, walked up super nice, was like, hey, what's the matter? Officer's like, can I see your ID? Um, After he identifies the man, it's 38-year-old Randy Stephen Kraft of Long Beach. (laughs) Kraft admitted to drinking, but swore, guys, I'm super sober. Um, So they did a field sobriety test on him, and um, that concluded that he was, in fact, intoxicated. Weird. Surprise, surprise, because he got out of his car and poured stuff on the ground. So, at this point, the stop, the stop kind of just seemed like any other stop. He's mm-hmm. like, all right, well, he got a drunk dude. Super duper. This is a routine Saturday night. At this point, he was he was thinking it was like a just, okay, regular DUI. Yeah. However, when Sergeant Michael Howard approached Kraft's car, he saw a man slumped in the passenger seat, partially covered by a jacket. Empty beer bottles were scattered all over around his feet, and a folding knife laid in plain sight on the driver's seat. Oh. So the sergeant knocks on the window. Like, hello, sleepy man. Oh, God. He opens the door, tries to wake up the passenger. Um, he notes that the man was barefoot with his pants also unzipped, except that his genitals were exposed. After checking the body, it was very clear that this man was dead. In the not front a seat. sleepy man. Not a sleepy man. Not drunk like the other dude. He was dead. Um, he noticed that he, I mean, obviously he takes his pulse, has no pulse. Um, his neck was ringed with red marks as if he had been strangled. Paramedic, paramedics, and pronounced him dead. I, I wrote the word paramedics wrong. <laughs> paramedics pronounced the man dead at 1.21 a.m. So, from here, obviously, I mean, this is not normal. That- you're drunk and you have a dead man in your car and you yeah. both are just whoop just took a hard turn that was a hard turn yeah i was gonna say right. left and i was like "Ooh, is he still left downward yeah this downward isn't left spiral. anymore you're right at this point downhill so orange county sheriff's deputies obtained a search warrant for craft's car obviously uh sourcing the vehicle for evidence in addition to the beer that they found, they found nine different prescription drugs, including Valium, mm-hmm, Weird. <laughs> for the stomach pains and whatever, and various painkillers. Beneath the lifeless body, they found a seat cushion that was stained with blood, although the dead man had no open wounds. Yep, um, it's all weird. About to get worse. Underneath a floor mat was the most disturbing thing of all. 47 Polaroids of nude young men in various positions who appeared to be naked and unconscious or dead. 47? Oh, girl, it gets way more awful than this. Oh, my God. A briefcase in the trunk contained a sheet of yellow paper from a legal pad. So you know those yellow paper pads that they had back in the day that 
every time I see them, I think of my grandma who worked the yellow it. the yellow legal pad. Yeah, I yellow use pad. them every day. You still work. do? Oh. oh, yeah. I have a small one, a big one, I have multiple <laughs> small ones. Actually, I use them. I mean, can I get a small one? But I also like <laughs> doodle all the time, so I'm like da 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 da. And my boss is like, "This is way better than Destiny's sticky art page." <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I went to town. I could sell this. <laughs> Anyways, what you're saying is you have a booklet of your art. <laughs> so also, I'm like super scatterbrained. So I have a stack of like 15 in my office that's just literally like other notes so if I ever have to go back because I know everything I jot things down when I'm on the phone I'm like mm-hmm. da, 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 eight o'clock this person da, yep. da, da, da. and so I could go back and be like well I know exactly what I talked about <laughs> in 2016 12 notepads hold on give me a sec I'm gonna put you on hold I'm like I know I have this somewhere <laughs> some people have like a file system Yours are yellow notepads. So he also used them is oh, what I'm trying God. to say here. I will never use one again. Thank and here's you. what I hope is not on yours. <laughs> okay. So there were 61 cryptic comments neatly printed in two columns. They began with things like, quote, in all caps, stable. It's all it would say. The next one would say ended or like ended with what you got. So. I'm going to, this is the only time I'm going to reference what's on that list. However, at the end of this, I'm going to say that there is, I found a location. You can find every single thing that's on this list. The main reason that I didn't go on in here, it's a long list. (laughs) We'll find out more. Okay. Searchers moved on to the home where he lived, obviously. Um, And this house he shared with his partner, Jeffrey Sealing. Here, they uncovered a trove of evidence. A couch in the living room was the same one that was obviously in all of the pictures that were, or most of the pictures that the men were posed in several um, of like the nude models and all of that in different positions. And this is all mostly a Polaroid collection. In his garage, police found an odd cachet of mismatched belts, chains, shoelaces, and clothing. So it was very Mm. clear that he had his own outfit situation in his house and then there was some outfit situation in the garage which if anyone entered my garage they'd see that there are a ton of dresses that I don't wear hanging up and they'd be like does she kill ladies nope I just don't get rid of them spoiler (laughs) I'm just kidding (laughs) I do not it'd be it'd be a lot of work for me and I'm too lazy for that you it's okay you walk into mine and it's like well we're here now an old pepsi machine a lot of cat food where she you... gets hungry. I mean, we duh. just buy the big ones, so then we just oh. fill it up, and then we have to it's buy it like good. not. That's ever. what I should do with my dog food, guys. It's a big like Tupperware thing that looks like what I would store Hot Wheels in if I was a Hot Wheel collector, and I wanted or to. Or if you were 200. a mother. Oh right, right, right. <laughs> that's definitely. I'm a mom. <laughs> that's definitely a mom thought. Yeah, yeah. But I'm a so. cat mom, so oh, I have mom. food. So in Destiny's garage. No belts that I'm aware of. No people no that she has killed Golf. clothing. Clubs. No dresses, like in mine. I mean, there's a lot more things in mine, but there's also a huge amount of dresses. Just cat food. I mean, some other stuff. Like podcast equipment. <laughs> foosball table. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Foosball table. Anyways. That's what we record on. <laughs> you okay. guys don't care. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't care. Doesn't matter. The sound is the same. Anyways. A few more days later... Uh, detectives would identify three more California murder victims. In Kraft's garage, police found an odd cachet of mismatched belts, which is what we've discussed. Okay, eventually, what starts happening is that investigators start linking these items in his house to murder victims with obvious pictures that he has. Mm-hmm. So, 
One of the jackets found in his home was later identified as belonging to a Michigan murder victim slain in December of 1982. Okay. Just skipping right, just going right into the bad stuff. Okay. And in only a few more days, detectives would identify three more California murder victims depicted in Kraft's Polaroids. His fingerprints would match those found in shards of broken glass, and on December of 1975 is what it is, there's like an entire murder scene that he's connected to. Just oh from my fingerprints. god. So, upon further investigation... Um, the, there's an, also an old yellow rug in his house, which sounds like just the most 70s house of all time. This also appears, um, to match fibers that are retrieved from a corpse found in Anaheim. There we go. In 1978. Awful. So there's your tie into Anaheim. Unfortunately, there was a corpse found that he had a rug that matched fibers to it. So, Kraft was initially charged with just one murder, which is Terry Gamberle who is the person who was hunched over in his car. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's held on bond of $250,000. He pled not guilty, surprise, surprise, to the charge on May 16th in 1983. But a judge, Gary Ryan, thought him dangerous enough to triple his bond from there. Nice. Making sure that Kraft stayed in jail until his trial. At bail, or at a bail reduction hearing one week later, Kraft's attorney called him, quote, a passive, nonviolent, and hardworking man. You were literally found in a fucking car with a slunched over dead body in the Polaroid. And what? You bleh. can still be a passive, okay, nonviolent, and hardworking person, and still be what you are. Sorry, that doesn't. But you can also come off as passive. Yeah, exactly. So. By F- this point... F them. F, <laughs> F all of them. I, you will learn what I learned is I didn't... His attorneys and all of this, they're, they have a very weird way of representing him. So, at this point, it became very clear that there were many more murders to be investigated. Obviously. So, this one traffic stop essentially landed them smack dab in the middle of a life of someone who is clearly um, just a murderer. Mm-hmm. It... it just became very clear very quick. This is a serial killer. So, their main task was to map out a timeline of events from when they believed all of the horrible crimes began. So they started essentially what I assume would be from the beginning, um, where they come to find that um, they discovered that what they thought to be was his first known victim, a man named Joseph Fancher. In March of 1970, the year my mom was born, Fancher was a 13-year-old boy um, who met Kraft at the, or on a boardwalk in Huntington Beach. Here we are again. Kraft took the boy, Joseph Alwyn Fancher, to his home and filled him with marijuana, pills, and wine and showed him photos of men having sex. Fancher was semi-conscious when Kraft stripped him, and this, for whatever reason, reminds me of the vampire killer. Okay. (laughs) Or the vampire rapist. The fact that he is semi-conscious and he's showing him things that are, like, yeah, whatever. So, Fancher was semi-conscious when Kraft stripped him and sodomized him, and he resisted just enough to make Kraft threaten his life. So, these are all notes that are made in later on. Ugh. However, he was able to flee the apartment after Kraft went to work. 
So he staggered barefoot to a nearby bar where patrons called an ambulance. Doctors pumped his stomach at the emergency room and Francher led the police back to Kraft's place because when he arrived at the hospital, he had no shoes. And he said, my shoes are still at his place. So they found the sneakers at his house along with various illegal drugs and 60 or 76 photos of Kraft enjoying sex with various men. But... Yeah, well, like, because this is his first, you said his first victim, right? Yeah, so uh, where are we going? The search was done without a warrant. Oh, my fucking God. So police knew they were doomed and did not make an arrest. They didn't even, did they make a freaking note of it? I mean, they made a light note of it. Like, dude, this kid was drugged. His shoes were there. They have, like, their list of heavy notes over here. Light notes. (laughs) Circumstantial evidence. Yellow pad. Anything. (laughs) Anything. (laughs) Kidoki. That makes me so angry. Like, just. Like I said. It's one of those where you're like, what? I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Back to you. Did my mental breakdown. I thank you for having out loud what I had when I was writing this up. I was like, Okay. So moving forward. Thank you. In 1971, Kraft found work at a bottled water plant in Huntington Beach. He drove a forklift by day and cruised gay bars by night. Also, that's in quote I should have put. Forklift by day, quote, cruised gay bars by night. Okay. However, he also, this same year, scored 129 on an IQ test, which is considered highly intelligent for anyone who doesn't know. So... The dude works at a bunch of different jobs, has a super high, Q, high IQ, and is also a party animal. So I'm going to assume that his party animal tendencies um, got the best of him at all times, yeah, to say the least. So, on October 5th, 1971, police found a man's noon body uh, decomposing beside Ortega Highway in southern Orange County. The body was identified as that of Wayne Joseph Duquette a 30-year-old gay bartender from Long Beach who had been missing for two weeks. The coroner pegged his date of death around September 20th, but found no obvious signs of foul play at the time. Eventually, oh, well, not eventually, but Duquette's clothing and personal effects were never found. So eventually, this was identified as Randy's first true murder victim. Okay. Nearly 15 months elapsed before the next confirmed victim in Southern California's latest murder series, and this one was found beside the 405 freeway in Seal Beach on a day after Christmas, 1972. So it was about a year later that they can confirm that he killed another person. Mm -hmm. This one was Edward Daniel Moore. He was a 20-year-old Marine and was last seen alive at his camp, Camp Pendleton Barracks, on Christmas Eve. By now... Randy Kraft was doing well enough in his personal life. He now has a new job because he doesn't can't keep a job. Yeah. He is now a freelance data processing consultant, and this is in July of 1979. Um, at this point, he's able to afford a house in Long Beach that he's still sharing with his partner, Jeffrey Sealing. They're also, like, traveling a ton, so they travel to a lot of places like Mexico in August of 1978, Lake Tahoe in May of 1979, and then an extended East Coast tour, which I wish I could travel with someone and call it an East Coast Coast tour, tour, um, in New York City and Key West. Uh, Friends recall that both men kept a, quote, bizarre hours. I'm just throwing that out there. They said both of them. Both men. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Sealing was operating at a bakery while Kraft continued his tradition of aimless late night drives and drinking. That was like his thing was to yeah yeah so that's an awful thing yeah. to have. If, uh, if anyone I knew had a thing of just going on late night drives, I'd be suspicious. Well, and drinking a DUI dumbass. Yeah. B. Creepy. <laughs> yeah. It's creepy. Yeah, why are you le- yeah. yeah. I don't know. I used to go on, when I was like in high school, I went on late night drives and we'd like drive into the country and listen to music. Yeah, but you're like, probably not alone, I'm assuming. No. Oh, yeah, true. Mm-hmm. If I was alone. Yeah. Ooh. Yep. It, got, it gets spooky when you're alone. Yeah, because, because of, of the men like him. people doing the late night drives. Him. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. So we've established that it's only okay sometimes. <laughs> okay, so... In June of 1982, he sought counseling with um, his partner, Jeff Sealing. The therapist later described Jeff as a, quote, defensive and anxious with a, quote, insatiable sex drive, while Randy resented Sealing's efforts to dominate the relationship. So what they do is they plan a European vacation to try to patch up their problems. Obviously, that didn't work, and neither of them seemed to have time. Uh, Their therapy sessions were frequently interrupted by Kraft having to travel for work to places like, ready? Oregon and San Francisco. Get out of Oregon. Mm -hmm. And Michigan. So this guy was literally everywhere in the U.S. Yeah. I mean, he was East Coast, New York City, Key West, Mexico, Lake Tahoe. Like, he's everywhere. Everywhere. In every location in Randy Kraft was known to visit, eventually... They come to find murders followed, obviously. God. Yeah, so by this point, investigators also start to realize that a lot of the crimes that they are linking Randy to seem to be almost impossible without an accomplice. Duh. (gasps) What they're saying is that some of these men are like 200 pounds, and I mean, 200 pounds in my brain doesn't seem like that much. I I understand that. But if someone was literally dead in front of me could I say I could move them absolutely not um but I'm a female and I'm weak and I don't work out very often so they're trying to say that they think that he did this with someone else obviously if you are with this man for that long and he's going on night drives and all of that they start pointing kind of scrutinizing Jeff Sealing. yeah Sealing. yes yeah yeah I okay so I was reading through when I was trying to find what case I was gonna do I was reading through a bunch of crazy ones mm-hmm. and now I'm like I'm pretty sure I came across this case now so please 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 continue well I'm about to ruin your day <laughs> because whenever they start to look into I mean this this is a huge amount of time that's elapsing while yeah. they're investigating this unfortunately Jeff Sealing died of AIDS before they were ever even to, I don't know that there was a, like they were scrutinizing him. They never got to link him to anything or to ask or to bring him in and interrogate him and say, what do you know? You want to tell us stuff? You want to start disclosing things that's going to help us with your dude? He died of AIDS, so um, they were not able to interrogate him at all. That's very sad. Uh Uh-huh. It's sad mostly that he probably was an accomplice. I mean, he's with this guy for so many years who is leaving at night, quote-unquote, going on bizarre. But it's noted that both of them had, quote, bizarre hours and all that. Oh, okay. There was a lot of... The whole AIDS thing is sad. Yes. Yes, absolutely it's sad. I have my... uh, Yes, I have an uncle who died of AIDS. It's heartbreaking, and he was a very talented man. But in this case... So, 
they go a different direction at this point because, well, the main person that I'm pretty sure they were like, you know, what we're going to do, we're going to go and, and ask Jeff a bunch of stuff. Well, unfortunately, Jeff dies. So the investigation um, direction kind of goes to a different area and they refer back to Randy's cryptic list for all of his possible victims. This is why I think I remembered it. Ah, uh, huh? Frickin' list. So eventually they start calling this the scoreboard. Oh my god! So, yeah. Yes, I'm gonna start referring to this as the scoreboard. I have totally heard about this. Okay, keep going. Okay, so here's something I should say. All of the murders that you've talked about that I've heard of before, I'm like, oh yeah, you know. This is one of those that I'm like, okay, there's had to have been a point in my life that I've heard of this. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure someone, somewhere, all of the podcasts I listen to, all of the things I look up, I'm sure I've heard, but I do not remember this. And I was especially, I know I would have remembered, the dude slumped over. You get pulled over and you just pull over and there's a dead dude in your, like this cocky mother effer. (laughs) I know I've, oh, okay, keep going because I don't really remember it. From this scoreboard, police finally matched known victims to 45 notes from the list. This was all while maintaining that no entries existed for two confirmed victims, Eric Church, not to be confused with the country artist, Eric Church, or Terry Gambrell, who is the guy who slumped over in the seat. So there's that. Eventually, they go real deep into this list, and the final tally was 67 dead, with 22 of those still uncovered and identified. Oh my god. (laughs) Moving on. On September 8th, 1983, Orange County Sheriff Brad Gates held a press conference announcing that his men had been, quote, been able to establish Randy Kraft's propensity without a doubt for sexually deviant behavior that goes back to the 1970 period. Prosecutor Brian Brown declared that he was ready for trial on 16 murder counts. What? You heard me. The final tally, including victims Don Kreisel, Keith Crotwell, who's brought up a ton, but I haven't mentioned before, um, Scott Hughes, Michael, uh-oh, Indurbatium? Oh. Richard Keith, Edward Moore, Ron Weeby, Ronald Young, and a John Doe from 1973. So those are some of them. Disgust. God. Mm-hmm. So... More than five years after his arrest, the five, oh, I'm sorry, and five postponements, some of this postponing was done by Randy himself, on September 26, 1998, Kraft finally goes to trial. So he's conveyed before the judge, Donald McCartan, and I like me some Donald McCartan after this. (laughs) So. Okay. In court, Highway Patrol officers described Kraft's arrest um, with the corpse in the car and the homicide detectives outlined the evidence linking Kraft to various murders. I'm giving you a brief rundown of what happened in court because there was a lot of court stuff. Yeah. So defense motions, who I hate, tried to squash all of the evidence from the 1983 searches, um, but those were denied by McMartin, McCartan, sorry. Another thing that McCartan did, though, was he barred any reference to victims beyond the 16 named in Orange County. Oh, that makes more sense. Okay, so these 16 were all in Orange County. That's probably why they could only prosecute him on the on 16. Because uh, yeah, it was only those. in Orange County. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, I just made sense to myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, attorney C. Thomas McDonald's 
opening statement dismissed the state's case as, so this is obviously a representative of Randy Kraft, dismisses the case as, quote, suspicion, induendo, and prosecutorial rhetoric. So, Ew, okay. Cool. How? And, the, and then it goes on to say, quote, he's a homeowner, a taxpayer, a hard worker, just like many other citizens of our county. The bottom line is... Mr. Kraft killed no one. That's <laughs> such a load of God, ew. Yeah. Meh. So, I could never be a defense attorney. That's what it comes down to. Oh, I, um, yeah, I don't know how they do it. Uh, they do it. Well, it's either you become a really bad person or you represent them. <laughs> Sorry, oh, but Touché. here we are. Okay, so... Prosecutors called more than 157 witnesses and presented 1,052 exhibits to contest assertion. Um, They were basically saying that the state's case on November 30th, um, 1988 was incorrect. Okay, so Kraft's defenders relied on a strategy of alibis and alternate suspects. They tried to point fingers at the serial killers that were like him, yeah. um, also known as freeway killers, literally was what their titles was. Um, one of them is William Bonin. That's someone I've heard of before. And also, this is someone I'm sure everyone has heard of. If you haven't, look it up. Um, Patrick Kearney. He is also the... he. Yeah. Both of these dudes, same M.O. I don't necessarily know that they are known to kill as many as he is. This 67 wow. is yeah. freaking huge. insane. Yeah, so they, at the time though, they were in jail. So basically they're That's trying to... That's an issue. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, especially when you're trying to link a bunch of dead bodies that you're finding. So, closing arguments ended on May 1st, 1989, and jurors deliberated for 11 days. Why? 11? I mean, you had 157 witnesses. I'm sure there was a lot of paperwork to go through. I mean, I guess. And also, yeah. So, anyways, they deliberate. I would be noting in my yellow legal pad. You know that. Yeah. Did it. There was. He did it. He did it. Exactly. There was like a few dudes that were like, no, no, no. But there was a bunch of girls. He's a taxpayer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he is a taxpayer. So, ugh. All I know is that. Eventually, closing arguments ended on May 1st, 1989, which is about a year later, I think. They acquitted Kraft of sodomizing one person, which was Roger Duvall. However, convicted him on all 16 murder charges, plus one count, each of sodomy and mutilation on every person that was killed. The fact that he got acquitted for anything kind of pisses me off, though. I'm just... But I'm sure there's some sort of detail that couldn't prove it, yeah. and so they didn't want it. Yeah, whatever. At this point, you're getting them all, all the other stuff. I'm sure someone was like, we got him on this, right? The separate penalty phase was um, Kraft's... Or was the penalty phase. So essentially, they're like, you're guilty. So then it's the penalty phase. So that was on June 5th. Defense attorneys presented a stack of family photo albums in an attempt to humanize their client. <laughs> They were like, look it, he has a family photo album. He's a human. Oh my god. (laughs) Nearly a dozen, oh, they brought up about 12 jailers um, to testify for Kraft um, that he had been a model prisoner during his six years behind bars, while former co-workers called him a friendly and outgoing and, quote, normal. (laughs) Wait, 
who and coworkers? Of yeah, this? they brought up because co- they were going, they were reaching wherever they could. They were yeah, like, they're like, hey, they so what do you think about him? They interview like six hundred people, and they're, they're like, like at Safeway. Two of these- <laughs> Have you ever met this guy named Randy Craft? Yeah, they're like two of these people said he was nice. So you two need to come with us. You other five hundred and ninety-eight. You mean these people that home. know nothing about him and that uh. just know him on the surface? Cool. Yeah, those are cool. Um, one of them said, ugh, quote. Society would lose a very brilliant mind if Kraft was executed. The good news is, is society keeps producing brilliant minds that hopefully don't go on to kill people. That's my own note. So, because they couldn't claim his innocence, duh, after the guilty verdict, Kraft lawyers called a psychiatrist, which was his psychiatrist, and basically to testify that Randy's violence was, quote, something that he had no control of. Uh Uh-oh. Ugh. It just I was so mad at that part. They also brought up a bunch of ministers, basically that they were opposed to capital punishment. They went on and on. Apparently, they brought up a lot of them, and yeah. eventually, Judge McCartan branded their testimony quote silly and <laughs> so far afield it's stupid. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, me too. I was happy to read that. Okay, so uh, the state called Joe Francher which, if you will recall, Randy's first victim, who escaped from his apartment and who was now oh. jailed, unfortunately he was in jail, um, in Orange County because it was for auto theft. It was basically for um, probation issues with auto theft. So he stole a car, probably didn't live a good life. Can you blame him? He was yeah. raped and drugged at age 13. So they bring him to the stand and say, can you describe your assault, which he did, and um, he goes on and on about that. That's when he was a 13-year-old runaway, and so they're using that. Using that. Okay. So So then the prosecutor, who I now at this point loathe would probably be the right word, um, he reviewed the, quote, scoreboard list, telling jurors, quote, there's nothing wrong with him other than he likes killing for sexual satisfaction. That was a quote? Yeah, from the prosecutor, Brown. He's like, guys, he's fine. He kills he just, people, but he's he just fine. likes to murder people. Like, chill. Yeah. So, jurors, who I put in quotes, were most likely baffled by his presentation, like myself, <laughs> came back with a recommendation of the death penalty on August 11th, 1989. Okay. So, fun facts about Kraft's trial. Kraft's trial had been the longest, which was 13 months, and the most expensive, which was $10 million. Oh, I'm sure. In Orange County history. Finally, however, on 19, or sorry, on November 29th, Judge McCartan sentenced Randy Kraft. He basically, McCartan noted during his sentencing um, that he received several letters from parents who were missing their children, seeking information as to whether Kraft had killed oh, their sons. I just got goosebumps. Yeah. So he says, somewhere down the line, with responses to your legal grounds for appeals, maybe you might give some thought to your wanting moments to helping these people out. Basically what he's saying is, maybe while you're thinking about yourself, you could stop and think about other people. Yeah. And then he sentenced him to death by gas chamber. Unfortunately, he is still on death row today. He's alive? Yeah, that was of, in 2010, they, they tried to appeal the death penalty on him, but they, Orange County upheld it. So he's yeah. still on death row. But, yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't check the last month. <laughs> so, maybe. But, no, he's, he's still Well, alive. I mean, you looked at, you, you mm-hmm. would have known. They would yeah. have said he died. Yeah. Lots, lots of places. All in all, 
he was only charged with 16 murders. Police and investigators believe that they were able to identify about 67 altogether from the scoreboard list. I was obviously outraged when I discovered that he was only charged with 16. Um, and so that sent me to, basically my initial attentions were to read every single name at the time. Um, but because there were so many, yeah, I decided that I would um, get, A, I'd go on forever. I started to write them down and I was like, oh, it's just this person's name, cause of death, where they were found. This mm -hmm. person's name, cause of death, or like their reference in the list. Um, so I found a link that we can now put on our, we'll put it everywhere, put it on our, yeah. we can put it especially like on our website and on our, you know, Instagram and all of that. But found a link. It's super detailed for every victim. Some of them are still unknown. So that's super useful. And essentially that's that. That's insane. <laughs> that's awful it is i was outraged reading this last part of it but um he thankfully wrote a list and so they were at least able to track and it was in code and all of that but yeah yeah so that's that and we'll put the link in our on our instagram on our facebook also on our website we don't up update our website enough so i'm gonna make sure it gets there too yeah yeah i'm also gonna go vomit because oh yeah that too not because of the wine, either. <laughs> it's definitely not the wine's doing. <laughs> not the two glasses that we've had. Yeah. Um, it's the, this guy, oh my god, I can't believe he only got charged with 16. 16, because obviously that, that makes more sense now. That irks me. Mm -hmm. okay. I get jurisdictions, and I freaking hate them. <laughs> All right, so, any hoozle, that was mine. Yeah, yeah, that was, um, I puked. I <laughs> For I anyone that needs some recovery time, stop now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll just jump right into mine. Yep, So let's this do it. week, I'm going to be talking about Linda Bailey Brown and David Brown. Okay. So, uh, Linda Bailey Brown was born August 26, 1961. She shared a home with her alcoholic mother and her 10 siblings. Oh, man. I and hope I've never in... described as an alcoholic mother. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Pretty sure I won't be, but you know, you're fine. You're fine. Um, and so this was in Orange County. So once again, referencing California. good old California because of a Disneyland theme. However, opposite <laughs> <Right>. feels. <laughs> we're like happiest place on earth. We're gonna make it the darkest. Yeah, we were really going for something. When we thought of this idea. We did not think this through. Yeah, like Chicago was fitting. Like yes. the highest crime rates, things like that. Disneyland non-murdery. <laughs> so much. Yeah. Um, so when Linda was 14, she met David Brown. He was at this time, well, and always, eight years her senior. Okay. So she was, or he was 22 years old. Okay, okay. David told um, her mother that he was dying of colon cancer and needed help around the house and asked if Linda and her younger sister could come help him out. Okay. And she's like, yeah, she's an alcoholic. Sure. She's like, I have 11 children. So. You can take one of them. Fine. Or two. Oh, or two. two. Yeah. Right. All of a sudden, he's like, oh, no more cancer. I'm fine. Oh, right. Cancer yeah. cures itself. Yes. Colon cancer. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure you could have guessed it, but Linda and David started a relationship when she was 15. Mm -hmm. and sure, it by, was super consensual. Yes. And by the age of 17, she had permission to marry David. Okay. So apparently her mom was okay with it. What was this year? Um, so this was back in like 70s, late okay. 70s. Okay. It still um, seems kind of strange, but whatever. Yeah. A little strange, but it's it happened. Um, so by this time, it, 
David had been married four other times. Right. He, I'm sorry, he's he what? Twi- well, at this time, he was probably like 24. I just keep picturing. 24, 24, 25. Okay. I was picturing him as an old man, but 24 and 25 with four other marriages? Four this is other. His fifth? This is his fifth. And this is the 70s? Yeah. Ay. Yes. So after they got married, Linda and her younger sister Patty moved in with David and his younger daughter, um, I believe it was from his first marriage, uh, Cinnamon. Oh, That was her name. (laughs) Um, And at the age of 23, Linda had a baby with David. Okay. So I'm kind of setting the scene a little bit. At this time, Linda's 23, David is 31. Right. Cinnamon is 14 and Patty is 17. Okay. Okay. Cinnamon, Cinnamon is how old? Cinnamon's 14. 14. And Patty, the little sister, is 17. Okay. So on March 19th, 1985, okay. Cinnamon woke up, walked into her stepmother's bedroom where she was sleeping, and she was sleeping alone. Mm-hmm. She grabbed a 38 caliber and shoots her stepmom with two bullets. Oh my God. <laughs> David, coincidentally, was at the local convenience store mm-hmm. <laughs> buying comic books when this all went down. Oh. At what time? What time was this? This was like in the middle of the night. And he was at the, he was buying comic books? He has, well, in like, I think pies or something. Like, right. Yeah. It, definitely a midnight to-do list. Oh, I gotta go get some comic books some and comic. some pies, uh, toilet paper, and I'm good. Yep, exactly. So, David comes home and finds Patty, who at the, like I said, she's 17 years old. She was holding the baby, and the first responders come. Patty said, I heard gunshots in Linda's room. I walked in there. I saw her hand dangling, and I just couldn't bear to go in, basically. Okay. And then they can't find Cinnamon. They're like, where the hell is Cinnamon? But during the conversation with the authorities, it comes out that it was Cinnamon who had shot her stepmom. Okay. Um, she also tried to shoot Patty, too. So according to, like, everybody. So they're trying to find Cinnamon. They're yeah, like, where the is she? Yeah, the story? Yeah. Okay. Where where the hell is she? And they call, like, her friends. They call her mother because at the time they're divorced, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, they call her mother and they're like, have have you seen Cinnamon? Like, where the hell is she? This is what happened. She shot her mother or her stepmother and mm-hmm. she's died. Hi, real mom. Where's your child? Did yeah. You know? <laughs> um, so, according to everybody that knew Cinnamon, this is completely out of character for her. She adored her dad. She was super sweet. She was super innocent. And she also adored Linda. They were pretty close. Right. So, she's just a good kid. Yeah. Somehow woke up in the middle of the night, shot her stepmom. Yes. Okay. So, at about 5 a.m., an officer went to the backyard and saw something in the doghouse. Uh-oh. So, they walk out to the doghouse, and it was Cinnamon. She was in the fetal position. She was covered in urine and vomit because she had taken three bottles of pills. Try, yeah. Three of what pills? I'm not sure. I, and she's I, alive? Yes. Like, no liver failure? Well, she's, like, in, soaked in her own urine, soaked in vomit. she's, so she's like sick. She's, she's very ill. Yeah, very ill. Um, and she was trying to overdose. Right. Okay. So in her hand, there was a suicide note that said, Dear God, please forgive me. I didn't mean to hurt her. Okay. And she's... How old how She's she? 14. <gasps> okay. Yes. <laughs> this is rough. <laughs> <laughs> so they take her straight to the police station. Can we, can we talk about the fact... That they take her straight to the police station? <laughs> Did they take her to the hospital? No. Why? So <laughs> we'll get there. They take her straight to the police station... Um, the EMTs were like, nah, she's fine. You guys can question her. She's all right. And at this point, she admitted to firing the gun, stating that she didn't get along with Linda and that Linda had threatened to both kick her out and kick her out of the house and to kill her. Okay. 
So they finally took her to the hospital because she's literally fading out of consciousness. Oh, good, She's, like, good. in and out. Um, and she starts mumbling, like, and a nurse was present. And she said it sounded like it was kind of rehearsed. Uh-huh. And the nurse decides to document it. She's like, I'm going to write down what this girl's saying. Oh, good nurse. So she... No? It comes back kind of not in the best way. Ugh. So I mean... she said, I hadn't slept in 24 hours, had an accident, killed my stepmother, didn't do it on purpose, didn't mean to. She was hurting me. She hated me. She wanted to kill me. She wanted me out of the house. And then she fell unconscious. Okay. So she's potentially... I don't want to give away what I think is happening here. I mean, yeah. It just seems like if the lady says it's rehearsed, but she's writing it down, that could, in in a court, that could go both ways. Prosecution can use it like she said. Yeah, 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 definitely. So David informed authorities that Linda and Cinnamon had gotten into an argument that night. David told Cinnamon to go to her room, which was apparently, like, a travel trailer that they had in the back that she stayed in. That was her room. So she didn't, like, get up and walk across the hallway and shoot her mom. She no, walked yeah, into She walked house. into the house. Okay. Which, I mean, I think it's a little debatable. Her room, honestly, might have been the house. I read a couple different reports, but it sounds like okay. this is where it was. But it's either way, trailer. she was... She came into the house and he apparently was like, you need... Even if it was, he was like, you need to go to your room, like... Stop. You need to go to your trailer. <laughs> yeah, you need to go somewhere. Um, and then she continued, so he continued to argue with his wife, Linda, after his daughter got in a fight with her. David ends up just storming out. He's pissed off, and this is why he was at the convenience store. Buys comics. Yes, according to and him. And pie. And pie. He's like, I'm mad. I need to stress eat. <laughs> I need to. And stress read. Read comics and eat all this pie. Um, so at this time, he came back. And Patty was outside. Um, Patty had told David that she heard shots in their room and that Cinnamon tried to also shoot Patty. So, cool. Tying back. Patty, who was also being questioned, told a story of when Linda went to sleep that Cinnamon had walked into Patty's room. So, Patty's the little sister uh-huh. of Linda. Um, that Cinnamon walked into Patty's room and was like, hey, how do I use this gun? Oh. And that Patty didn't think twice of it. She was just like, oh, yeah, this is how you use it. And then went to bed. Uh- because that's how I would feel. Dude, this is a strange turn of events. Like, <laughs> no matter what's the truth, it's weird. Like, weird things are happening. Yeah. Okay. She ends up going to Juvie. And on, I guess, 7th, 1985, so Cinnamon, goes mm-hmm. to Juvie, August 7th, 1985, her trial begins. She pled not guilty by reason of insanity. Uh, she was interviewed by a psychiatrist, and she that said she didn't remember anything from that night. The psychiatrist said she didn't know right from wrong that night specifically, but she was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to 27 years to life. But since she was a juvenile, she was sent to a youth facility until she was 25. Okay. I get the insanity part because insanity. It's crazy. crazy. Yeah. And so I'm assuming they charged her because, like, she just took pills. And so they're like, well, she tried to take pills to kill herself, so she, quote, knew what was going on wrong yeah i mean there's it's it's a really weird case yes um so it should be noted that david did not go to cinnamon's trial i was gonna ask questions about him (laughs) yes um but he did attend her sentencing hearing and people said he just seemed weird like happy and upbeat just like he was like a supposedly like cinnamon's mom was like playing with her hair he was just like very giddy uh-huh. For somebody whose daughter is about to be sentenced. Or for somebody who is not about to be sentenced. 
eye contact. Silence. <laughs> yeah. So one of the original investigators always had a hunch that Cinnamon um, killing her stepmother wasn't the whole story, at least. Like, maybe it happened, but this isn't the whole story. Right. So he continues to visit her. He makes sure she has money in her commissary. Um, and he's, like, kind of looking after her. He was like, I just feel like there's way more. At some point, I feel like this poor 14-year-old girl, there's too much. Gotta be more. more. Mm-hmm. So while this is all going on, Patty's still living with David. So the little sister, the Linda's little sister. Right. Okay. Is still living with David. So her brother-in-law. Uh-huh. Um, and Patty is trying to basically, it seems like, replace Linda. Like one of her friends, Linda's friends came over, said that Lin- or that Patty was wearing Linda's clothes, that all the pictures in the house had been replaced. Oh, dear. Of, Pat- of Linda by Patty. Uh-huh. Um, and lay <laughs> yeah so it was it was just weird okay. and uh, this is definitely something to be noted yeah it's um, definitely a weird thing yes. out of context any like no dead people but someone leaves you go over to someone's house who's still there it's like oh the oh the oh these outfits um <laughs> these and they're she's gone now so i didn't want to let did them you go want to see the pictures of me now <laughs> <laughs> do you i replaced everything yeah that's freaking weird um so after about three years of cinnamon being in this juvenile facility the officer had still was still visiting C- cinnamon just being like how are you what's going on um and he notices that david because David would be visit her every once in a while. Okay. Was no longer visiting her. Oh. How long had she been at this point? Three. Okay. Three and a half years, I think. So he's like, all right, she's in, I'm good. Yeah, so he like sees she... an opportunity. He's like, I feel like... You stopped getting visited. Your dad's not here anymore. Like, do you want to talk to me? Do you want to talk about... Oh, what? man, what a smart man. <laughs> if anything happened, 100%. And... It's a long time to sit around, like, to sit around and wait for three years. Yeah. But also stay involved. Yeah. Yeah, and so she, like is kind of, like, open up, but it seems like he doesn't know what was going on on the out, or, like, she didn't know what was going on on the outside. So he's like, I'm gonna tell her everything. So right before her sentencing hearing, which she didn't know about, her father married Patty. Oh, no. Yes. (laughs) Oh, so there's a lot of new pictures in that house. (laughs) So her father married Patty, um, and they... Which was the little sister. Linda's little sister. The stepmom's little sister. Oh, well, I uh, got a case closed in my brain, but <laughs> who at this, de- like at the time of her death, will remember was 17. Right. Well, he's dated younger, like <laughs> me, so. Ugh. So they now had a daughter. Okay. And because Is of that, every- like Parsley or something. I don't remember the name. <laughs> um, I know that they're his, because Linda and him had a daughter. And right. That daughter's name was Crystal. But oh, I right, normal. Can't remember Patty's. Cinnamon. Crystal, probably with a C, so I'm going to say Celeste. Oh. Name that child. Okay. We're good. Okay, well, that has a possible fake name. <laughs> Anyways, so also they collected, Patty and David collected almost a million dollars in life insurance. Well, duh. Um, for the death of Linda. But it is to be said, David lived in Orange County. He was a millionaire. He had a lot of money. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I thought because the travel trailer, I just assumed that the travel trailer made them poor. It, I, it was probably like a fucking beach house. Or beach. A casita. A, okay. <laughs> it's like a house behind your house. She got so excited. <laughs> I like casita. I like the word casita. <laughs> That's a great word. I'm happy you've introduced it into my life. Some people call it a 
Oh, I don't even know what people call it. A something house. A pool house. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> I'm too advanced for that. I don't even know. It's I'm not like, in my vocabulary. It's a casita. Casitas are great. So anyways, so Cinnamon's like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. They have, a, he married Patty. They collected like a million dollars. I did this for nothing. So Cinnamon at this point, she literally just snaps. And she's like, this asshole planned the whole entire thing. And they're like, what? what? come again back up come with more and she just basically lays it all out she's like um david and patty they convinced me that linda was going to kill david for his money and if they didn't get rid of her that she would either kill him or he would have to disappear leave her like leave cinnamon leave his daughter and his life behind and never come back and that she'd never see her dad again yeah, the essentially, the true thing here is, I was worried for my dad. I did what I had to do. Yeah. Okay. Um, and oh, I he, knew it. He literally said to her, this is a quote, If you really love me, you'll do this for me. I'm your father, and I know what is best. Oh, I know who you need to kill. Exactly. <laughs> I know it's Disgusting. Best. Yeah, that's a real burfy thing. Um, and they were like, and you're only 14. Like, we would try to take care of this, but you're only 14. You're not going to get a lot of jail time, if any. Like, you're fine. So, but we but need also, you to do this. Please, if you do, keep up upholding the story. Exactly. <laughs> Three um, years later, she's like, book me. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so... Basically, I'm going to go back to, like, the whole that night. So, the night of March 19th, 1985, David went to Cinnamon and Patty and said, Girls, it has to be tonight. Oh. And told Cinnamon that after she shot Linda, she needed to shoot herself in the head, but just graze her head to make it seem like she was doing a suicide attempt. Oh, my. Holy crap. (laughs) Yes. So, he's like, hey, daughter, yeah, just shoot yourself in the head slightly. Could you just graze your head, which probably... Let's assume, well, let's, I'm going to put myself in his shoes and say, graze yourself in the head because I've never personally shot myself in the head. I'm going to assume he thought she was going to shoot herself in the head and not graze her head. So to proceed, <laughs> um, she was too scared to shoot herself in the head. Oh, surprise, surprise. So he was like, okay, just take all of these pills. So, basically, the truth about what happened that night is Cinnamon held a pillow over the gun and shot Linda. The pillow then somehow jammed the gun. Cinnamon went to Patty's room to fix the gun because it was... She said, how do you work a gun? Yes. And then the gun went off in Patty's room, which is why Patty had said that Cinnamon tried to kill her, too. Oh. So, once it was unjammed... They heard Linda moaning some more, and Cinnamon went in and shot her again. So there's two gunshots. There's two gunshots to Linda and Mm -hmm. one in Patty's room. Okay. So while they were going over everything, they realized... Sorry. Does it say where the gunshot was in Patty's room? No. Okay. No. Um, But it was very close to... So Crystal, the baby, Mm -hmm. slept in Patty's room, Mm -hmm. and it almost hit the baby. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So... While they were figuring, like, while she was laying it all out, basically, they realized that David had told Cinnamon to shoot herself in the initial suicide attempt plan, and how he said to do it, Cinnamon would have killed herself. Right. Uh, oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, Just raise and your it, head. No, kill yourself. Yes. Okay. And the pills that she took could have very easily killed her, too, but she puked them up. And that's when it came out that he had also pulled out life insurance policies on his daughter. 
Oh, Jesus. You know, as soon as he was like, she's not dead, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Like, yes. Um, <laughs> why are there people like I, this? God. And, like, out of... Yeah, yeah. Oh, daughter. You're, like, the person that looks up to you. The person that looks... She's literally killing somebody because she thinks they're gonna kill you. So that and he can marry his stepdaughter? It's a... No, his steps... Or his sister-in-law. Sister-in-law. There we go. Sorry, and I'm getting all mixed up. There's a lot of ladies in his life. Yeah, so... So he... And to get all this freaking money. So after this confession, they reopened the case. So they had Cinnamon convince David to come in while Cinnamon was wearing a wire. Ah. They talked about the plot to kill Linda because of the mob, quote unquote, the mob that Linda was going to have killed David. Oh. And how Cinnamon needed to make the tr- or keep the truth to herself because David and Patty would get in trouble. He- oh, he's still, he's still... Remember what I said. Yes. You're doing this for me. That You're doing this because you love me. The mob. God. Anyone tries to mob, use a mob in my life, I'm like, well, you're a liar. I got to go to the police right away. <laughs> Bye. You're not associated with a mob. Exactly. So he then tells her that they will convince everyone that Patty is the one that pulled the trigger and killed her, killed Linda, and that it wasn't Cinnamon. So he's okay. like, oh, she's going to break. Uh-huh. It's I'm- time to... Turn this. Uh, yes. So then David and Patty go visit Cinnamon, and she's still wearing a wire. Oh, God, what I would give to hear that recording. Right. That full conversation. <laughs> God, it would be insane. Um, and uh, Patty confirms, I'm going to try to switch spots with you. I'm gonna, We're going we're gonna to try to put it all on me, blah, blah, blah. Which I don't know if this was, like, so they could get away, or, like, like why would you say that? I, yeah. don't, I don't know. Or is she, they were all just this manipulated by this man. Yeah, probably it was that one. That. Yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, yeah. Just after a few weeks, uh Patty and David were arrested and she he starts like writing her and he was like, "Hey, remember we're married. Remember I love you. Like just remember, don't forget. Do not turn on me." She quickly is just like, "All right, here's what happened. Uh, about to turn. And she apparently had some resentment against David, understandably. So how I talk about their marriage, he told her that it had to stay hidden, that nobody could know that they were married. Yeah, well, duh. And also, at this point, she's probably turning on him because all it took was to remove her from him. Exactly. Suddenly things have changed. Oh, I have a clear mind. I can think without him thinking for me. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. A million percent, not even a hundred percent. And so she got pregnant, they had a kid, and he made her tell everybody that she had an affair. Oh. Because it would be... Even though they were married? Yeah, that she had an affair, and that's how she got pregnant, because it would be weird that he got somebody so young pregnant. You're fucking married to her. Also, that, also... You're married to her. <laughs> you are literally, like, everybody knows. Well, you I guess want it's everyone, a secret. Yeah, it's a but secret then, like, you're married. Why the fudge sickles did you get married? Exactly. Second, what? oh my gosh, a lot of questions. A lot of questions. And also, these poor women. Uh, yeah. And he had, like, so apparently, before she had the kid, he was like, you need to get an abortion. You need to get rid of this baby. Mm. And she was like, for once, I guess, stood up for herself. She's like, I'm not fuck. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Like, screw you. Not happening. So, anyways, Patty tells the police that they had been planning the murder of Linda for three years. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay. And so, the last couple months, they decided to get Cinnamon involved. Okay. 
they probably Patty was like, I'm not doing it. She admitted to previously trying to kill her sister, but not being able to go through with it. Yeah, because it's her fucking sister. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, Tanner, I didn't mean to curse. Going on. (laughs) So uh, while she's telling them all this, it also comes out that David had been molesting her since she was 11 years old. Oh, man. Never mind. I take it back. I meant to curse. <laughs> so he had been just taking advantage of this girl since All she... All of them. Well, and the reason that she moved in with David and um, Linda mm-hmm. is because at her mom's house, she had been molested. Oh, she moved away to... And then ends up with this stupid... And probably stupid moved away because she told people that she had been molested probably confided in him and her yeah and then got molested Mm -hmm. and then married him and then married him so they were molested like and then (laughs) so he had been just like i'm so mad yes it's awful (laughs) um so this guy even so they're in jail whatever this guy tries to do a murder for freaking hire Mm -hmm. so he tries to get another a fellow inmate to murder the da oh murder I thought he was going to be like, hey, can someone kill Cinnamon? No, he wants the DA dead. No, the DA, an investigator, and his wife, Patty. Jesus Christ. He's like, just take He's them like, all out. He's like, I have a few requests. Okay, three people. <laughs> yeah, and so there's like a lot more to that. Like he, there was like amounts that he was getting transferred to his brother that his brother was giving to like other inmates because they were like, and then at some point he thought multiple people were dead. Oh, Jesus. Like, and he's, like, obviously paying for these. Well, the investigators probably caught on to it and were like, all right, here's here's how we incriminate him further. Yes, exactly. Um, so this just caused him more charges. And they went to trial. And during his trial, they quoted him as classical sociopath personality and a poor excuse for a human being. They weren't wrong. They were not. But overall, less than they ended up, the jurors heard everything. Less than seven hours after the jury deliberated, he was convicted of first-degree murder for financial gain and conspiracy and was sentenced to life in prison. Do you think any of those jurors were sitting there and they start unraveling the story and one of them, this is what I imagine, one of them's like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) Can you, can we back up? Who's related to who? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So he was charged with first-degree murder for financial gain and conspiracy and was sentenced to life in prison. And in May of 1989, Patty was convicted of the same thing. Okay. I mean, sucks for her, but good for her. I mean, good Well, no, wait. Sorry. Oh, no. One second. Uh Patty was convicted of the same thing that Cinnamon was convicted of. So... Is Cinnamon still in jail? No, Cinnamon was... Cause so, oh, right, right. Patty was 17. Remember, Patty was 17? Oh. Mm-hmm. They said 27 years, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Or Flipped. when in a juvenile, like you go to a juvenile facility until you're 25 years old. Oh. Patty. Interesting. Yes. So a couple years later, Cinnamon, I mean, Cinnamon did kill her stepmother. Right. She did shoot someone in the yeah, head. Yes, but she was released when she was 21 years old. Uh-huh. Um, and she was released in February of 1992, so about three years after they were convicted. <gasps> um, okay. And then, and she was 21 years old at that time. And then he, um, Patty got out when she was 25. Because, yeah. They both apparently are married and mm-hmm. have children. Just lived the they, life that they should have. 
I mean, Patty had a daughter or a child already. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I don't know what happened to her child. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, probably it's still her child now. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, I have so many questions. Yeah. And so that's what happened. Like, Patty and Sidman just kind of moved on. And uh, in March of 2014, David Brown died. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Okay. Not Jesus. I believe, I think he <laughs> died of like a heart attack. I so. mean, that's, yeah. We all, uh, unfortunately, pe- good people die of heart attacks, but when bad people die of heart attacks... Not upset. Thank you. <laughs> yes. I'm not upset about this. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, so that is... Crazy? Was it not? <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. I know that I have heard a brief outline of that story, but as I said before, I l- truly listen to too much crime. Well, we couldn't remember what we talked about last week, so... <laughs> Yes, yes. I forgot what I talked about last week. Destiny asked me five minutes ago what I talked about last week. I already forgot. Had to look it up and was like, oh, right, the fires. You said the name and I was like, mm, uh-huh. still blank. I said the wrong name, too. That's true. <laughs> uh, so, A, too much true crimes in my life. I listen to too much of it. It's a good thing I'm not like a hired investigator for someone because someone would say a name and I'd be like, about it i need like five details <laughs> can i get a quick like picture they're yeah. like that's why i hired you and you're like oh oh uh, better with photographs can I... <laughs> See. do you have a picture of a car <laughs> yeah, I can't even... address mm, no bad with address <laughs> so anyways uh i do podcasts and um i keep emails because those are referenceable <laughs> yeah we can look back and be like Oh, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Totally did that. I've actually been looking at one to do, and I think you just sent me a picture of him. Uh? Just in general, you're like, look at this guy, he looks creepy. And then oh. I was like, have we talked about him? <laughs> like, I can't remember. We're only on episode seven right now. We're, uh, we're like recording like episode nine. Oh, right, right, right. Oh my gosh, we've come <laughs> so far. Okay, listen, we are not to episode 10, and I still have already forgotten. Yeah, we need to make a list. Yeah, or like an alarm clock system for me. And episode 10 airs, and this is who you've done. I'll forget. (laughs) All right, all right. So, on that note. Thanks, um, everyone. Yeah, they were kind of dark and twisty and weird. Yeah, we had some some weird ones today. Goddamn Southern California. Yeah, dude. I don't know why we thought, I'm going to Disneyland. I know, let's do Anaheim-based. I get why we did it, but also opposite so 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 opposite of the feel that you get from the places and the things however because of this i learned that southern california has a lot of fucking serial killers you're like "Um, my son will be physically attached to me at all times yeah i'm about to be a helicopter mom for very good reason (laughs) and i'm not sorry um but a few things that i feel like we should bring up is a we reached a thousand listens today yes we were super stoked we might have went past that but we don't actually know how to view that we're gonna figure it out we might maybe yeah well no we for sure did because i know how to figure okay, it out okay so she figured it out uh that's cool for us but on our phone it only it says like 1k and i'm like there's a k me too i was like 1k yay but more <laughs> but yeah like how close am I to two? Yeah. The fact that we've been out for a month, that's cool. That's yeah, super cool yeah, for us. I'm super stoked on that. Yeah. And um, we got a super cool message. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, we've gotten a few messages and we've had a lot of people interacting with us, but we got like a specific one where I screenshotted it and I sent it to you and I was like, oh my God. It was very motivational. Yeah. We got... He was super nice and he was from like Wisconsin. Yeah. You know who you are, homie. <laughs> so, we appreciate you. If you're still listening and you listen all the way to now, we shout you out right now, which is reminds me i think that um a thing that we might start here now is if you could help us out um we need some help with some reviews some likes that kind of thing we've super at this up until now we're just like hey guys listen to us hey guys listen to us i think we've decided that we want some interaction and um we need some help from you uh we would love if you could go to itunes or wherever you listen to us and rate and review Give us stars, but also, instead of writing any sort of, I mean, you can write us feedback. That's fine. You want to write us some truthful comment about how you feel? We will not be mad about it. We don't care. However, if by chance you could go to our iTunes account, um, give us however many stars you feel is necessary. You're welcome to give us five if you want. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, instead of any sort of review, just give us some sort of topic you'd like. Even, like, the name of a serial killer. Any of that. Um, or, or the name theme. of Yeah, a theme that you want to see. Um, that would be super helpful. We, um, however, the other thing that I think that we might do, or that we're definitely going to do, is if you go to our iTunes and you do shout us out, or you do give us, you know, our, or not shout us out, we'll shout you out. If you yes. give us some stars or some subjects to cover, we're going to shout your name out at the beginning or end of a podcast. We'll figure that out here soon, but eventually we're going to figure out other ways for you to connect with us, but that's a huge one for us. If you could go um, give us some stars, you know, rate us, um, give us a review of however you feel or what you'd like to hear, that'd be a big one for us. Yeah, and as always, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, and our website, Crime Wives Podcast. And also, crimewivespodcastgmail.com. Send us any of your recommendations there as well if you don't want to do the other things. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, on that note, thanks for listening, guys. That's it. Crime Wives out. <laughs>